Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Welcome back to the Homeschool Together podcast. Today we're going to be continuing our curriculum series. Last episode we talked about finding your curriculum and today we're going to be talking about an actual curriculum. This will be our first review of the Blossom and Root curriculum. But before we start, I want to make sure everybody is connecting with us on Facebook at Homeschool Together Podcast. There's our group and then also following us on Instagram at Homeschool Together Podcast. Today we're going to start with Blossom and Root. We feel it's probably the best curriculum that any new homeschooler, accidental homeschooler who's in the pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, first grade level should probably start with. We feel it's one of the easier curriculums to kind of onboard into the homeschooling world just from our personal experience. Today we're going to go in depth about the curriculum, a lot of the ins and outs, the approach, the structure, kind of our pros and cons. So you get a kind of a complete picture of the curriculum you know a lot of the questions that people have been putting on you know a lot of these facebook groups asking other homeschooling families is what curriculum to start with and we wanted to make sure we do a nice deep dive of one of the the better curriculums that we've seen Mm -hmm. um that one that we actually chose you know if you remember ariel's filtering method that she had last time this was one of the ones that made the cut and this is one that we're actually doing as we speak right now. Right. Yeah. And this will be one of a couple of pre-K curriculums that we'll talk about. And then we'll get into a few other curriculums that start with kinder and go up. Mm-hmm. So we just want to start at the at the ground floor. This actually starts before pre-K. They also have a preschool level uh, for your, your two and three-year-olds. So. so maybe just start with talk a little bit about what type of levels are out there. What what grade levels do they support? Support? You know, what are the various options that are available to people? So Blossom and Root starts uh, with preschool. They call it early years, early early years years. volume one. And then early years volume two, which is, uh, so early years volume one is supposed to be ages two to four, somewhere in there. Uh, And early years volume two is ages four to five. So that's more their pre-K curriculum. Then they have kinder through third grade. And this fall, they'll be coming out with fourth grade. Awesome, awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the, the approach of blossom and root kind of doing a little bit of a dive on what they what they do what what would a family experience or what are they looking at when they get into the blossom and root curriculum so blossom and root is a secular nature-based curriculum and it combines it takes its inspiration from a combination of a of uh, Charlotte Mason and Waldorf philosophy. So if you remember from our first podcast, we talked about Charlotte Mason and Waldorf. Yeah, our terminologies podcast, yeah. Right. So Waldorf is the combination of academics, arts, and practical skills, or thinking, feeling, and doing. So that's very important in Blossom and Root. And then Charlotte Mason is the other part of that combination. Yeah, so they kind of uh, focus on kind of the home life. You're learning a lot from being at home that discipline of action that you do, and then engaging the real world, 
as opposed to learning facts and figures and dates and those type of things. So these methods, this kind of Waldorf and the Charlotte Mason methods are very, very hands-on, very real world, not a lot mm-hmm. of book work, a lot of experiential learning. And, and kind of the funny yeah. thing is, maybe just as a, tan- a short tangent, I actually had this type of learning style in college. Hmm. And one of my sciences kind of went to this experiential style of learning the sciences where hmm. they you learn through experiments. This type of learning method isn't just for like younger people that you're seeing this more and more kind of a, in these different type of learning environments at, at the higher levels of education as well. It's kind of interesting to see my physics class be taught through experiments as opposed to, you know, lectures and taking down notes and stuff like that. So I've, I've actually seen this type of philosophy at higher levels of education as well. So let's talk a little bit about the structure. So what will people see when they get into the Blossom and Root curriculum? I, I believe they have some examples on their website, so maybe they mm-hmm. can pull down those examples and see what a week looks like. But let's kind of go through what the structure looks like. Yeah, so uh, on the Blossom and Root website, and don't worry, we'll link it in the show notes, uh, for every level of their curriculum, they do have a sample for you to download so you can see exactly what you're getting into for that. And they also have the scope and sequence, which we talked about in our our first couple of podcasts there on terminology. So they'll tell you everything they're going to cover, which I truly appreciate. Not all of Mm -hmm. the curriculums do a full scope and sequence. They'll uh, potentially just give their book list and, you know, they'll talk briefly about the areas they're going to cover. But I really appreciate the in-depth. And that may actually be helpful for people who have higher level requirements from their state that they need to make sure that they're hitting certain things. It would be nice to see that up front at the beginning of a curriculum and this one does that. Right. So really really appreciated from the from the creator, I believe her name is Christina. Every level of Blossom and Root is going to cover science, nature, language arts and fine arts, so music and art appreciation. There will be some additional topics depending on your level. So for example, the early years uh, curriculum has a math and an early literacy component that the upper levels don't have. So you'll note that none of the levels contain history. And above uh, the early years volume two level, they don't contain math. So you're going to want to supplement with math, history, and a, a reading and spelling curriculum as you go kinder and above with this. And that's something to factor into the cost when people mm-hmm. are thinking about what curriculums they have, that if, if a certain curriculum is lacking something like that, that may be additional costs where you have to go buy something else versus maybe a larger curriculum that may cover all the, all the bases. Right. And Blossom and Root also provide something that they call book seeds, which are basically mini unit studies. These are great fillers between uh, between two different curriculum um, uh, series that you're doing or take them on in the summer or some other time. They've got some really interesting book seeds that are very affordable. In early years in kindergarten, all of the tasks for the week are written down and you can then decide where you want to fit those in your week. Whereas with first through third and then eventually fourth grade, I'm guessing will be the same. It's broken into different areas. So you'll have a science workbook and a science teaching manual and a nature workbook and a nature teacher's manual. So those are broken up that way. One of the unique things about Blossom and Root is that for kinder and above, you are able to buy components of their curriculum. So Maybe I've got another uh, another curriculum or I'm doing my own unit study or something and I just love them, but I really need a nature component. Mm. I can go over to Blossom and Root and buy just that piece for that grade level, which I really appreciate the ability to mix and match. So yeah, that'd be great if like you, you really enjoy Blossom and Root, but you maybe are going to choose to do a different curriculum or something like that, but you really want to pull in that nature-based element or 
a certain type of literature that they pull in. That's really nice to be kind of an a la carte solution for your homeschooling curriculum choices for later in your years. That's really nice. Yeah, it's a really great option. So I think that's a great segue to get us into the cost for yeah, the cost. program. So what, basically, let's talk about the strata of cost that people are going to see. So, you know, we're very focused on the early learners. So what would be the kind of the entry point for, say, the early learners, you know, volume one? So it's $22 for volume one, and I believe it might jump up to 35 for volume two. So it's going to go for the early years. Um, kindergarten is uh, 67 at, at the time of this recording. So very affordable prices. Once you get to first uh, through third, and I'm imagining fourth grade will continue this trend, it gets quite a bit more expensive. So the first grade curriculum is 133, and then it goes all the way up to 162 for third grade. So something for families to consider. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be pricey, especially if, you know, as we talked earlier, you may have to layer in some additional curriculums, some additional unit studies or additional learning that has to be on top of that. You know, you could e easily see your curriculum costs balloon into the three, four hundred, five hundred dollar range. It's one of the great things about Blossom and Root that you can decide if you want to add. We may ourselves add in the, the nature component into the future years. But for those early learners, your your preschool, pre-K, and uh, kinder, it's quite affordable and we think a great value. So so let's just talk about a little bit, maybe a little bit in depth about what an, an early years volume two curriculum, like what a week looks like. So let's talk a little bit about that. Fortunately for me, you do everything in Trello, which we'll have right. a podcast later about. <laughs> you, <laughs> you've never actually seen the curriculum. I've actually never seen the printout thing until maybe a little bit earlier because I have the benefit of having you. Right. Um, I've planned everything in Trello. And the reason that I did that is not uh, any fault of the curriculum itself. It, it actually is it's laid out very nicely in uh, sections for each week. So you've got a section for your early math, a section for art appreciation, for composer study, for the literature you're going to read, the art activity that you're going to do, the poetry that you're going to read, the STEM activity, the nature study, and the nature uh, notebook part that you're going to do. Those are all the components of the early years volume two, which is your pre-K level. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of each week, it has a blank week chart where you can fill in what days you want to do what in. And so I think it's really terrific. The, the reason I use Trello is I'm just... I have a thing with planning and linking YouTube videos and other extension books. And, you know, that's more about me than it is about this curriculum. There's no need that you don't need to plan this in Trello. You absolutely could just do this with the as it comes. And it's a great way because, you know, a lot of times I'm using my phone or I'm on my iPad and you're at the computer. It's a great way for us to kind of share the tasks and everything. The way it's all laid out, it's kind of already laid out in cards and you can put it into a nice binder. So you don't really need to have Trello. It's not necessary. You can put it in a binder. Right. This is a digital curriculum. And I guess we should have probably mentioned that up front. Apologies. We're new at this. Uh, but this is a digital curriculum. So when you yeah. when you purchase for your, you know, what, whatever amount you spend per grade, you're going to get a digital PDF that you have the rights to print, which also is great because you can pull it up on your phone or, you know, whatever you need to do during lessons. So to talk about, you know, kind of what it looks like on the ground uh, day to day. You know, from the standpoint of the amount of time that I spend on the Blossom and Root curriculum with my four and a half year old, it's very doable. Uh, typically, we spend about an hour, hour and a half, maybe a little bit more if we add in some additional learning. You know, we talked about that in the earlier podcast when we, mm -hmm. when I find kind of that thread, if I find something that is really resonating with 
the four and a half year old with her, I, I, I just run with that. And the blossom and root curriculum is giving me a lot of, you know, inroads into a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of things that I'm finding that she's interested in, you know, whether it be like what we're going to have talk a little bit about later with Egypt or, you know, if it's a certain type of book with like birds or moths, I can pull out some additional materials, throw on some YouTube videos. It's really, really enjoyable to actually just have kind of that freedom where I'm not bound down by a ton of activities. I can really kind of sounds weird, but explore the space with respect to art, with respect to music. Like this week, we've been talking about Wagner. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been on the Frida Kahlo thing. You know, we talked about that in the last podcast. Having these things there allows me to just kind of flow into wherever the water will settle. Like if you can imagine mm-hmm. just kind of a river finding those little nooks and crannies. And, you know, for me, being able to go in and say, do an art activity, look at the art, art paintings, get on YouTube, watch a couple of YouTube videos. It's been very enjoyable to do that. And Blossom and Root really gives me that activity without taking up a lot of my time. But it does feel sometimes, you know, we'll talk a little bit about it later, but it does feel like I want to put more in. So if we were going to talk about a typical week, let's let's just take one of the early weeks in the curriculum. So yeah, you're so, yeah. So what we would do is we typically start with like a picture book. There's a picture book that's a, a classic children's book, whatever it might be, Owl Moon or we've done we've done quite a bit Beatrix Potter. Beatrix Potter. There's um Stanley the Steam Shovel, I think it was, or Mike Mulligan. Mike his Mulligan steam and shovel. this yeah and the Steam Shovel. So these really classic books that mm-hmm. come out. You typically read that and then you go ahead and do an activity with that. And what that does is it reinforces the book that they just read. And a lot of times I find myself coming back to the book. It does actually read the book multiple times, you know, twice, I believe it is. But a lot of times I find our, we come back to it very often. And it gives me that reminder to ask her, hey, mm-hmm. did you enjoy that book? Or what was your favorite part of that book? Hey, let's go read that book again. And there's a lot of reinforcement and we can maybe pick out different elements of interest um, whatever the book was, you know, targeting. And we have that kind of that additional study on top of the book and I can do an activity. I can make it into the art. On top of that, there's a poetry reading, very short, very simple. Yeah. There are nursery rhymes nursery for, rhyme type of poems that are like, open source. I never realized how weird nursery rhymes were. <laughs> <laughs> Until you read some of the old ones. There's some strange ones in the old ones. Yeah. And then that's all of the, of the, you know, language arts for mm-hmm. volume two. So there's one picture book a week that you read a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And then there's this poetry and then this read aloud activity that Matthew mentioned in the, the now they, this is not prescriptive of what you're supposed to do for that activity. But in the back of the book, they give you some ideas. So uh, tell us a couple of the of the things that you've done for read aloud activities with her. So we did one with the Beatrix Potter. I'll, I'll remember this one. It was about, I can't remember exactly the name of the story, but it was, I think it was the one with her squirrels. There was Squirrel a squ- Nutkin, maybe? Yeah, Squirrel Nutkin, yeah. And then what we did is we went out back in the backyard. And I think part of the story was that they put some nuts out for somebody to find, Squirrel Nutkin or whatever. And we went ahead and gathered up some rocks pretended they were acorns and we laid them at the foot of all of our trees and looked up at the trees looking for our squirrel nutkin or whatever Mm -hmm. and that was like a nice little way to kind of reinforce the story so that when she came in and maybe you got out of a meeting you came out to see us um i i was able to prompt four and a half year old to go and tell you what we did Mm -hmm. and then that reinforced the story and then she remembered the story even more and so that was a nice way to kind of as opposed to just reading the story and maybe they forget about it in 10, 15 minutes if it wasn't a very good story. Right. And to be on, honestly, the Beatrix Potter stories are really enjoyable, but sometimes they're a little dry and they're a little bit of their yeah. time. Right. And doing the activity on top of it 
really helped to reinforce the fun elements of the story and helps her remember what we did. And then we could go out later that week and kind of see, well, are the, are the, are the rocks been taken? And maybe I'll go mm -hmm. out there while she's napping or something and take the rocks away and she'll come back and go, my, Oh, the rocks are gone. You know, uh, right. And it can kind of reinforce the kind of that playful nature of the story and the playful nature of the learning. And then she really gets out there and, and experiences that. And so right. that's been, those are the type of little activities that we do. Those are not prescriptive, but if you can, you know, have your imagination run just a tad, you can come up with some really great mm -hmm. ideas that just reinforce one or two elements within each story. It really helps to just reinforce that into the kid. And, and maybe even if there's a little bit of a moral element there, like, hey, right. you know, maybe he wasn't doing something correct. While you're doing the activity, you can say, hey, maybe he should have done this other thing. And you can kind of reinforce mm -hmm. that kind of like an Aesop Fables type of thing. Yeah, I know you guys did uh, made burrows out of uh, uh, pillows when you were doing Peter Rabbit. And you mm -hmm. did big cutout pieces for the Very Hungry Caterpillar mm -hmm. that you made with her. A lot of construction paper thing, Construction paper hats and construction paper, different pieces and houses and lots of things. You guys are always coming up with something unique. So that's been one of our daughter's favorite parts. So... So that's the language arts. You've got your picture book you read a couple of times. You do your read aloud activity. You read some nursery rhymes. Uh, there's also a component of early literacy in early years volume two. We're not using that because our daughter's a little bit above it, but it's basically going to be recognition of uppercase and lowercase letters and their sounds. And you'll do one letter each week. So that's concludes that, that part of it. Um, and there's a composer study. Um, typically one mm -hmm. composer for a couple weeks for right now for example we're on Wagner and what we would do is keep that on in the background while we're in the room typically I, I don't force her to sit there and watch anything or watch if Although it sometimes is a, they get a symphony and yeah, she if really it is likes a symphony that. she she really does enjoy watching them play mm -hmm. and that's cool but most of the time it's a lot of these YouTube videos, it's just a card image, stock image, maybe some piece of famous art, and then mm -hmm. it's the music underneath. So we throw that up on the TV, kind of let that run in the background, go and do something else. A lot of times we, I tend to blend that with the STEM activity. So there's music in the background, and then we can then go ahead and do the STEM activity. A lot of times it's a very tactile thing like stacking blocks, building things, um, coloring things and, and moving things around yeah, you it's, did like a uh, aluminum foil boat floating the stem activities have been very impressed with because they're not prep heavy mm -hmm. they've been things like you build a tower out of duplos and you give our daughter the same amount of duplos and same colors and she has to copy that tower mm -hmm. or uh, the things like you know the boat and how much weight you could put in the boat before it sank just really great very early stem activities that were all using household materials that didn't require a lot of prep so that's one other component of every week there'll be some sort of a short a short fun stem activity and usually because it's not dangerous or overly messy our one-year-old can participate too which is really great that is a nice piece of it as well you know just to go back to the composer study there's no additional stuff around the composer study other than just kind of listening to it so that's why we tend to like to have it in the background mm -hmm. i do ask my daughter if you know if she could describe a little bit about the music what she feels a lot of the composer studies is kind of the classic disney um, soundtracks to some of the big classic you know famous movies and that is you know, enjoyable to her because it does sound like there's a Disney movie kind of playing in the back with a big mm -hmm. orchestra and everything. She can get the emotions yeah, of the and song. So and a lot happening. of the stuff that we've been talking about is, does this feel like a happy song or does it feel like kind of a, a sad song or is this a big, you know, this is Beethoven. It's big. And she kind of understands that 
the music can have texture and volume. And so she can actually describe the music in those matters. And a lot of times she'll even kind of tell little stories while things are playing like, oh, this is the love part. And this is where this is where they're chasing (laughs) them through the woods. And it's been really enjoyable to kind of see her kind of feel the music and experience it without actually having to go into like, this is a G note and this is a blah, blah, blah note. She just can experience it and enjoy it. And you don't have that like running for the hills you know, I want play me, ta- you know, Taylor Swift. I don't right. want to listen to Wagner. She doesn't, it doesn't bother her. I, and I didn't think she would like it really, honestly, because she's had no, not a lot of exposure to classical music. I thought she would be bored and she's actually really enjoyed it. Your method of playing it while she's, you know, her hands are engaged in something else has really kept her enjoying the music and she'll come down and, you know, say, mommy, we listened to Beethoven today and it was really good. And, mm-hmm you know, it was a scary one or it was whatever. And she, she's got all this expression around it. So I'm frankly really surprised because she's very much into like pop type music kid. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever is catchy, she could dance to. She's a little dancer. So I've really been impressed that she's enjoyed the classical music. And then there's a whole art section around the curriculum. Um, typically it's around a certain painter. Like, for example, we've been talking about Frida Kahlo, I think, in the last few podcasts. Right. We've done Van Gogh Van, and Renoir. Renoir. A lot of the Impressionists we've done, she liked that because she could kind of mimic that in a lot of her painting. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had more of like a realist type of artist, maybe not. Um, but she has been enjoying the painting. We get to look at the painting, understand what what's in the painting, talk a little bit about it, try to suss out what the meaning of the painting is. Not very in-depth. This is, you know, this is a high piece from the blah, blah, blah period. It's, we don't talk about that type of level of detail. We just talk about what we see, what colors mm-hmm. we see. You know, what do you think is happening in the painting? There was one, I think it was, um, I think it was Renoir. They were sitting in a picnic outside and there was a girl in a white dress. So she wanted to go put on her white dress. And that afternoon we had a picnic outside and had lunch outside. So yeah, again, lots of inspiration. A, a great way to reinforce the painting and everything and then we would come down and typically with every painting there's an art activity we're not expecting you to do haystacks or anything or (laughs) crazy like that it's very simple painting without a lot of supplies either for this which we very much appreciate but it always has some sort of connection if the the painting is mostly blues and reds then it's going to be an expression of how they can manipulate using those two colors too they do always connect which i really appreciate because not every curriculum makes the art activity have such a strong connection to some other piece which i really like there was like i think a renoir painting with a it was an older girl and a younger girl so she immediately identified with that and the girl had a red hat on and so i think the activity was to to paint in red and she wasn't really interested in painting in red, but what I did is I asked her, hey, can you paint your, a self-portrait of yourself and your sister and put red hats on you? And boom, you saw the it light up in her. Mm-hmm. So definitely have the freedom to play around with. They give you, I, I know in the curriculum, the, what you've copied into the Trello board, but you know what is actually in the PDF that you get from them. It's a lot of great suggestions, mm-hmm. ideas on what to do, and then you can just kind of run with it from there. You don't mm-hmm. have to be, even be anything super in line with what the painting is you know if the if your kid is really into painting dinosaurs all right great put red hats on the dinosaurs right, <laughs> right. It, there's lots of uh you know lots of kind of like um you know beginning guidance there that they would suggest something and then you can go with what they've done or not it's very open-ended so let's see we've talked about the stem the art uh, appreciation the art project Composers. the composer the language arts there is also for the early years there is a there is a math 
very early math for our daughter. She was a little bit above that at this point. So we've gone ahead and put her into a different math curriculum as we talked about last time. But uh, and we did talk about this. You know, we are doing this exact curriculum, and I am blending it with two additional curriculums: a reading and a math curriculum. Right, which is why it takes us a bit longer each day. The I I don't think that this curriculum itself would take an hour a day. I'd be very surprised. Maybe not an hour with activities. Even, I yeah, think probably if an you hour. Bundle all the activities together and and all the yeah. extra stuff and the fun stuff. Maybe it's but, mostly play. Honestly, it's it's you know look at this drawing. Okay. Now let's go and or, or painting. Now let's go and paint. It's exactly. you know five minutes of looking at the painting and fifty minutes of enjoying painting. So it's not. This is based in a lot of play. So um, there is also math, and then the last part is the nature study. So there's kind of it's broken into two lessons. There's a nature study. Let's say it's wildflowers. So mm -hmm. you're going to go out and you're going to look for a wildflower, pick it, talk about it, and then there's a second part of the lesson which you can do same day or you could do a different day which is actually a nature notebook. And she has her own little nature notebook. She wrote her name on the cover, which mm -hmm. she was so proud of. And every week, whatever comes up for nature study, she's going to add a drawing or one week she pressed a flower. And so it's kind of this portfolio of her whole nature journey so far. And she's really enjoyed that. I've actually had to hide it away because she tends to get any type of notebook or any type of thing. She just starts coloring in. So <laughs> right, she takes I've, had pages. To, I've had to take some protection. <laughs> like for example, last week we did um, a wildflower thing and it was raining. Right. And I couldn't get her outside. So what did we do? We tossed up on some uh, YouTube videos about the stinkiest plants ever. And it's the giant sticky <laughs> plant. And she loved it. And we drew it and we watched a bunch of videos of people holding their nose and some guy hunting for it. So you can definitely switch it up if mm -hmm. there's a little bit of an issue if you can't get outside. But it is really the the nature notebook has been a nice little thing to get me outside. You know, a lot of times when we're homeschooling, you know, if, if a lot of accidental homeschoolers or people who are new to homeschooling, they wonder how you get the kids out of the house. And this is a great way to kick them out, get outside, experience mm -hmm. it. I think this is one of the better things about the curriculum is getting, forcing you to get outside. Cause a lot of times you can just get stuck into the homeschool room. You're doing the thing, you're watching the videos and you come down for lunch and then maybe they run out and play, ride their bikes or something. But this is a really nice thing that can get you out of the house, get you experiencing nature with them. And you know, it's a good excuse not to be on your phone. It's a good excuse not to be sitting in the house and getting some fresh air and some vitamin D. Yeah. You know, it's been really nice. And you get to ask them questions and you get to experience it all. And it's really nice. I like the nature portion of this. And I, I think even if you're not, if you don't consider yourself a nature person, this is a good element to get you outside with your kid and experiencing, you know, even just silly things like you know, wildflowers or grass or trees. I think a couple of them were uh, tree studies where we had a, we walked up and down the street and looked at all the different trees that our neighbors have that planted. That was actually in. really fun. We go off, we, so we go for a walk nearly every day as a family just to get out of the house. But one of the things that we really liked about this was this gave us something almost like a scavenger hunt that we were on the lookout for. So as we're walking, she's looking at all the different kinds of wildflowers. Now she's pointing them all out. Mm -hmm. We're looking at the different trees and she's you know, feeling the branches of all the, the, the leaves of all the or trees. she's tearing off leaves and saying, we're going to bring this home for the slugs to feed them. <laughs> right. She's all about slug food right now. I don't know what's going on. The, the slugs this. in Western Washington have plenty to eat. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, but anyway, this has been great. And it's really enhanced uh, just a normal family walk and made it something more. And we really appreciate that part of this curriculum. So those components would make up a typical week of Blossom and Root Early Years Volume 2.
So let's get into the weeds here. What do we like? What do we don't like? What are we kind of neutral on? So let's talk a little bit about, let's say what we like first. You know, what are, what are the pros around this curriculum? I really like the gentle approach that it uses. There aren't a ton of materials. I don't have to get a ton of books at the library or buy a ton of books. The books that it does reference are classic. So it's quite easy to find uh, those books used at our library, YouTube read-alouds, uh, pairing uh, movies with those books. They're, they weren't hard to come by. There was a couple of obscure titles, but mostly everything were things that I had heard of before and were easy to find. And I appreciated, I appreciated that. I appreciate that it's not it's it's more simple. I, I know when we we started Torchlight first, as we've yeah. kind of talked about on other podcasts, and we will be covering Torchlight on the next podcast in depth. I feel like this is a this is a better place to start for us personally. This is where we will start with our youngest daughter when she's ready to start uh, with a curriculum. We will start with Blossom and Root. I think it's a, just a great gentle entry point. There aren't too many things to do a week. It's very open. You can decide how much you want to do. Yes, limited on the materials you need. The activities are easy. Yeah, the activities don't require a lot of prep. They don't require a lot of weird things. I saw in one of the craft books that they wanted you to do this craft with scrap telephone wire. Oh, yeah. And I was like... Where are we going to find scrap TV wire or telephone wire? Right, right. Who has that just lying around? I got some copper wire in the garage somewhere. Yeah, let's... Right. I mean, I think it was a great craft or whatever, but come on, you know. And so I appreciated it. You know, we've had other ones where it's like this painting wants you to have a specific kind of paint. Okay, this one has to be a watercolor or I just really appreciate Blossom and Root so far. And we are over halfway through early years, volume two. It's been just like, oh, I have that. You know, I can do that. It wasn't anything super complex. It didn't require a lot of prep. It wasn't super messy, which we appreciate. With a or, one-year-old walking around, we yeah. just don't like super messy things at this point because it's just too hard. Or if you need something hard. that is in the curriculum, you can easily get it at, say, Walmart or whatnot. You can go and get a, uh, an acrylic set, a watercolor set, and a bunch of color paper, and you're done. Right. And I think that's the only, you know, speaking of, of materials, I, I believe that that's all we got in preparation for this. I did buy a number of the books used for this, and, and we will have a podcast coming up about how to get good deals on used books. But I only really bought those because we were in the middle of COVID, and I didn't think I could get to the library. Otherwise, our library had all of these books, and I could have done that. Uh, we have one set of acrylic paints, which is just your typical kids' paints, and some construction paper and scissors. And really, everything has been very straightforward. So I really appreciate that. It's a big pro in my book. Also, another pro is that it is cheaper in the earlier years. So, you know, with a lot of the people that we're trying to target with this podcast is they're kind of that accidental homeschooler. This is the first time they're homeschooling their their earlier learner. It's a great price point. It's a great great place to start. Mm-hmm. Where do you start? This is a good one to start with, especially with that price. You can't You can't go wrong. Right. I think it's a great value. And especially I love that in successive years, you can just purchase pieces. I think we will probably do that. We will probably, uh, even if we don't use Blossom and Root going forward uh, through kinder and beyond, I would definitely purchase the nature portion of it just for all the benefits that we've seen as a family. Okay. So every curriculum has its issues. We all know that. Um, Nothing is perfect. So let's talk a little bit about the cons. So the first one that we've had is that it's low in literature. So if your child loves to just read a bunch of books. Or, which our child does. Which our kid does. And she's always got a stack of books she's flipping through. Or you, she enjoys you reading different books all the time. This is maybe an issue you may have to supplement with additional mm-hmm. books or expand your library around the curriculum. 
so that right. you can take care you can take take care of that need in your in your early learner. And there's plenty of room. I mean, there's not so much required of you to do every week. I think there's room to do that, but we definitely have to supplement with books. We're not getting nearly the number of books that we were with Torchlight, which, you know, can be good and bad. Sometimes the, those that was an overwhelming number of books, but our daughter definitely is a little bookworm and uh so there this is low on that. If you want to be exposed to great new books, this it isn't going to expose you to a ton of books every week. But the, maybe this goes into the neutral or the or the or the pros is that it is classic books. Like you can't go wrong with these stories. No, no, you sure can't. You sure Even can. though it may be low on the literature, it's high quality. So you kind of give it a little pros and cons there. You know, a little give and take. It, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, um. It does get a little bit more expensive in the later years. So that is something that everybody needs to consider when you want to carry this curriculum forward. Right. And then you have the issues of the additional curriculums you may have to layer on top. So there, there's a little bit of a cost issue of that if you are sensitive to, to that need. The other um, thing I would say is that some of the topics are a bit repetitious. So uh, we, sh- we should say right now she is updating the early years curriculum and yeah, there's going to the be some changes street, right? to it. Uh, there's going to be uh, some literature selection changes, and there's also going to be some changes for uh, composers and, and artists. Right now, composers and artists are each nine weeks. So we've actually we've actually halved that and just made four weeks per composer and per artist. And that's why we ended up doing, for example, Van Gogh that wasn't in the art study originally because we just needed more variety. And I, I, hear, I understand she's making that change. Uh, for For me, I think that even four weeks spent on a single artist or single composer, it might be too repetitious for you and your child. So it might be something that you think about adding in more variety or, you know, it's worked out four weeks has worked out really well for us, but I could see that maybe that's a a con for some folks. Mm -hmm. And then also last, because it is a nature-based curriculum, you know, you do have to take the the weather into consideration during your week. Like if it's going to be rainy in the end of the week, you may pull forward your nature studies so that you can get outside while it's, you know, bright and sunny or maybe totally not raining on top of you. <laughs> yeah, I've had to switch around some weeks too. Yeah. Uh, Matthew's probably not aware of this, but I switched around a few weeks in Trello because some of the nature studies involved uh, fall items or snowflakes or things that mm-hmm. we didn't start this exactly in you know August, September. We started it back in June. And so we're not synced up with the with the weeks the way that it was intended. So if that's something that you plan to do, just be aware that you may have to rearrange a few things so that you fit closer to the season that you're actually in. I didn't find nothing you, with you this. You are cur- the oil to our engine here. <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing in this curriculum really, uh, other than the, the composers and the artists and each week you're gaining a greater appreciation of them, nothing really built... Mm-hmm. one to the other so you know for for me those weeks that it was something about snow i would sometimes take the literature if it was about a you know snowy day is one of the books and i i moved that one um so if it's uh, i took the literature and i took the nature study and i swapped them with a different week and it was fine and nothing else really wasn't so interconnected that i couldn't do that but just know that you may have to do some rearrangement since it is nature based and it does use the seasons for some weeks. And that may, that's a nice, you know, I know we're in the cons, but that may be a nice feature that it's modular like that, where there is a lot of adaptation. It's true. That is depending a good on where you are and, I didn't and think what of that. is important to you. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about the neutral items. Some things that are maybe not a bad, maybe not good, but kind of neutral on. What, give me a couple examples of that. So I, I, what we put here as neutral was really because Matthew and I kept going back and forth about whether it was a pro or a con that a lot of things aren't very well specified. Yeah. And, you know, like with what we talked about, we do a lot of the kind of unschooling stuff along with our curriculum. So I, I kind of like the not well-defined stuff it does <laughs> right. give me a little bit more freedom right he can say oh she's not enjoying that i'm gonna you know do this or yeah. boy this book might have been you know this didn't grab her attention i'm gonna do a read together activity that really does and he likes that it doesn't tell him exactly what it is for me i'm more prescriptive i would want it to to tell me so if you're someone that likes things very prescriptive uh one other thing in the week that i believe we forgot to talk about was there's a kitchen classroom and it mm. just says kitchen classroom cook something with your child this week and it gives you some ideas about you know having them measure and things but it doesn't give you recipes or any any further clues so for me that doesn't give me a lot to go with i well, mean my daughter helps out in the kitchen now but well, and, and our daughter does a lot of cooking stuff with us so she maybe beyond say cutting up an apple and stuff like that like we right. had her doing an omelet the other day right i just had to but i had to make all this up so when i was planning the full year yeah. i had to go through and think of all these different things and what i tried to do is base it on practical skills so i started with the kitchen classroom with things like cutting an apple um you know making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich mm-hmm making salad dressing, making a salad, just some, you know, washing lettuce, simple things. What I was trying to do was build on her abilities in the kitchen to self-serve. And actually we've seen this really work after the first few weeks were done. She could slice her own apple. She could, she could cut cheese. She could make herself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We, we started, started having putting, her make her own lunch. Yeah. We started putting a lot of her food, her and her sister's foods in the bottom drawer of our, of our fridge. So she can open the fridge and make her own lunch and actually make her sister's lunch as well. And, you know, just, I think going back to the Charlotte Mason Waldorf idea of that living your education where you're actually doing experiencing the world giving them that type of responsibility that they can you know do their own meals is i think really strong now it's a downside because now the one-year-olds are running to the snacks in the the pantry (laughs) all day it's a problem and she knows her sister can get it for her now yeah so there's i'm i'm concerned but on the neutral side just (laughs) just for us to tell you that that is part that they kind of throw into every week is that hey there's this kitchen classroom thing but they don't they don't tell you what to do so they're there is more planning. And I was actually, when I was doing my planning for this level, I did it with another mom mm-hmm. who's a friend of ours who's starting her daughter for the first time. They've also really enjoyed this curriculum, but she was really stumped because she's in not a, not a big, uh, not a big cook. And so she was, I, I don't know what to have my daughter learn. Like yeah, we're kind of foodies. So it's, it kind of fell right in our It, it was easier for yeah. us, but that I think that could definitely be, that's neutral. I think so. There's so much open-endedness about this and it is intentional, but, Depending on your family, you may love that or that may just drive you crazy and make you really stressed. So we just wanted to point it out there that this is uh, more open-ended. And if you look at the samples on the website, you'll see you'll see kind of what we mean. So let's wrap it up. We've, we've talked a lot about the curriculum, what it looks like. I think people have a good idea of what to expect. They can go get the examples on the Blossom and Root website and get a good feel of what a week would look like. Mm-hmm. Let's, what is our advice to Blossom and Root families or people who are considering the Blossom and Root curriculum? So I think our advice is if you have a, a preschooler, let's say three, four, 
and you've never homeschooled before, you've not done any kind of curriculum, this is where we would start. And in fact, we went ahead and got the early years volume one and volume two when our younger daughter is of age to start wanting to do something more. We want to do something a little bit more structured. I mean, it's really all just play, but it's play with some ideas for us. So that's great. We will start her with early years volume one and and then we'll move to volume two and then we would get into something more intensive. I think this is just a terrific place to start. And that's my recommendation as well. I, I'm on Reddit with my stay at home dads and I, I wrote up a nice post and I I agree with this. This is my, my suggestion as well, that if you're an accidental homeschooler or if this is the first time you're homeschooling, Blossom and Root is probably where you want to start. We're going to talk about in the next episode, Torchlight, and that's probably where you'd go next if you say, for example, we do an all-year-round curriculum, so we do run out of time. <laughs> you know, we, we do burnt, we, we chew through curriculums. So right. um, this is a great place to start. I love it because I wish I would have started here because it would have taken away a lot of that fear. You know, we had our earlier podcast. Torchlight pod- was a bit overwhelming. Yeah, we had that earlier podcast about imposter syndrome. Go back and take a look at it. There's a lot of fear when you get into homeschooling and you get into this where you're taking control of your kids, your kids' education. There's a lot of fear that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to be concerned. And this is a great curriculum to start off in where you feel like this is something I can do. I can be successful doing this and I'm not going to feel like I'm going to be throwing my kid off the cliff in their education. I'm actually going to be building up that mountain with them. And I think this is a great place. I think we both agree this is a great place for anybody to start. Not a good doesn't have to be the end all, but it's a great place to start and kind of get your sea legs mm-hmm. with respect to homeschooling. Right. And and then our, our last piece of advice that we were talking about earlier, just to really embrace the art and the music. This this says, listen to a few songs by Beethoven and look at this piece of art by Renoir. Really just dive into that. We found that if we embraced it and we went further, we for example, we added in a Mozart study because we were trying to keep those composers to only four weeks. We played some specific clips of the movie Amadeus for our daughter, and she just loved it, absolutely loved it. Uh, we, we didn't just look at that Renoir painting. We ended up looking at a whole book of Renoir paintings because she got into it. We looked at other Impressionists. Mm-hmm. And so embrace really, the yeah. art and the music, even absolutely. if it's something you're not comfortable with. Yeah, it's been something that I've really enjoyed. I, I've, I've always been wanting to dabble in a little bit of art, and it gives me that opportunity to do that with my daughter. And it really feels, I know it kind of sounds funny, but I'm actually getting stuff out of the Blossom and Root curriculum. Yeah, we're learning things. Well, not even just learning, but you know, getting the opportunity to sit down and listen to Wagner's intro to Tristan and Isolde. I, I, I just... I would have never have done that otherwise. Right. And it's a great opportunity for me to kind of enrich my own life. And it's so so weird that I'm that my kid is getting something out of a pre-K curriculum and I am as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's so You're back in preschool, Matthew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does preschool feel? Gosh darn, I'm starting all over. <laughs> <laughs> well, and but you know what? This is funny and we're laughing about it, but this is one of the ultimate joys for me of homeschool yes. and one of the reasons that we just gravitated towards homeschooling with our daughters is because we are lifetime learners. We love to learn. We love to absorb new information. And so we're kind of like, Ooh, Hey, we get to cover Wagner. Ooh, you know I mean? We're, we're interested ourselves. Learning along with your child is one of the greatest joys you'll experience in homeschooling. Absolutely. And I think that goes right into the segment. We always like to finish the show with it, which is what are we into this week? And that is Egypt. Yeah. Oh, our daughter is all that. She marched up to me the other day. She, mommy, I want to be archaeologist. She struggled. Like, that was a big one. That's a big one. She, she struggled a little bit, but she she knew. Our little uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. 
we we keep a number of books around our house uh, that are actually I started to collect them. So I have a thing about eyewitness books. If anybody out there loves DK eyewitness books, I've loved them since maybe, I was a child. Maybe we'll have a podcast on eyewitness coming up. I don't. We might have to have. I love. We might have to. I love eye, eyewitness books. Anyways, I I've loved them since I was a child. As an adult, I started to collect the books. And if you haven't used an eyewitness book, if you look them up online, and and we will place links in the show notes for them, you can see they're basically like a museum in a book. There's mm-hmm. it's like a museum display. So even though these books are more advanced than our daughter is ready for, because they're so filled with pictures, they just ignite her imagination. So we have a one eyewitness book on ancient Egypt and another on it's called Mummy, and she loves both of those books. We've read through both of them a number of times. Uh, and just kind of highlighting, I pick different things on each page to talk with her about. And then we have an Usborne book, which is a look inside pyramids and mummies. It's a fantastic absolutely book. loves. Yeah, it's kind of a cartoony style. If, if you ever remember the Where's Waldo books, it has a lot of that kind of humorous drawing, that kind of playful drawing. Right, it's, it's all af- lift the flaps. Lift the flaps, but it's unbelievably well done. I, I just, you know, I think maybe we'll have a whole podcast on Usborne. It, Ugh, so it, it is worth it for you to buy the Usborne books. They are so playful and they're so to this age group and a little bit of above. So it's yeah, going to carry fantastic. forward with her, especially when she becomes an early reader. These are going to be amazing books for her to just take off. She's been addicted to these books. Um, the eyewitness one that we we pulled off the shelf this week has really sparked a lot of art for us this week. We did a whole burial ritual. Poor, right. Poor you mummified Moana. Moana. <laughs> yeah, poor Moana be turned into a mummy with toilet paper. It was <laughs> And did you you made you made like a, a we, sarcophagus and you did uh noptic is coptic? Coptic jars. Coptic with, jars with yeah, the we, little organs. Yeah, in we, them. we put little fake organs into a jar. She was all about we it. We had a whole box and we put her puppy was it Paw Patrol pals puppy on top of it instead of for the dog because normally they put like animals on top of these things right and then she did like a mask of anubis she anubis was mask. and she tried to like spell anubis on it it was amazing she got so into this well and the funny you know, thing is you know just as a, the idea of the unschooling thing it got the fact that they were harvesting the organs putting them into the jars you know for the afterlife we went through the whole afterlife process and she was really interested in that because it was kind of a fantasy tale to her she got interested in the organs and now we've been doing yeah now we're the, doing anatomy now stuff. we're doing anatomy stuff so, so we you pulled can out see. the body model and started looking at that she wanted to know where all the organs were yeah that and and you know we always like to say you know you're pulling on the string that one really was like i got latched onto the back of a racing tiger oh my gosh she could not get enough egypt and then and then anatomy she was just like i don't want to do she told me yesterday i don't want to do anything today except study the human body and i said oh okay babe and so it's one of the also one of the features of blossom and Root. we were able to just say great we won't do that today and we've you know we're not yeah, behind i, I think i spent fine. an hour and a half doing uh body stuff with her was which amazing. was great so one of the other things she's been really into and that's helped sparked her love of egypt is two documentaries on on disney plus they're both national geographic one is uh tut's treasure hidden secrets which I is three-part i think it was a three-part i think it's a three-part it's really great it's all about them moving all of the treasures that have been kind of around the world that belong to tutankhamun to the new grand egyptian museum which is going to be opening it was supposed to open this year but it's going to open early next year uh, because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic and so it's this multi-million dollar beautiful museum and they're talking about looking and analyzing some of uh, these treasures that haven't been analyzed in however long some of them i don't think since the original yeah. dig maybe it's just 
really fascinating. Yeah, she was fascinated by it. It was really well done. It wasn't too much. It wasn't too too heady for her. So she was able to. There was a lot of great kind of um, live action role playing type of uh, reimagination of the scenes. Yeah, there's some really good stuff yeah. in that. There's another documentary as well, same Disney Plus National Geographic called Lost Treasures of Egypt 2 that's a more parts. She just can't get enough of these documentaries. So between those and these books, she's really developed uh, just a fascination with Egypt this week. So we'll link all that in the show notes and maybe your children can check it out too. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together Podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time, happy homeschooling! Hey, what are we talking about? We. Hang on, let me get to my let me get to my spot. My spot, my spot. Oh, that's right. Blossom and root. <laughs> <laughs> You just stopped my stuff. Right, I'm going to delete it. That's all right. Delete it first before you normalize. Ariel's, Ariel's killing normalization. <laughs> Sorry. I get so excited.